Good morning. Good morning. It is good to have each and everyone out with us for our morning half of our worship service. We know we got folks who are, are visiting with us still. You're our honored guest still, and you're, we're happy to have you this morning. Of course, our regulars, we're always so happy to see each and every one. But this morning, we're going to talk about the type of walk that we should be walking. So if you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start reading in the first verse, of course. And uh, the idea of walking in love. As we've had our wonderful example of the idea how to walk in love by our Lord and Savior, no greater love has anyone than this than lay one's life down for his friends. And that's what Jesus said for us. So we think about the type of love that we should have for one another, the type of love that we should have for a loving father, and the type of love that we should have for those who are lost. This morning in Bible class, we had an example of of the, the six steps to the plan of salvation, or the stick six steps to heaven, and all those are required to have a communion with God and this home that we yearn for called heaven. As we've been instructed by Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, in the first verse. <clears throat> Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication, all uncleanliness, covetousness, let it not even be named among you as it is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which is fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, because these things of the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, or children of disobedience. <coughs> verse 6. And verse 7, Therefore do not be partakers with them. Now, I'll stop there in the seventh verse. But the idea of walking in love, the first verse says, Be imitators of God as dear children. Well, I want to ask you a question. Do you know who God is? This God who created everything, the things that we see, the things that we uh, smell, the things that we taste, and even, our, even ourselves. God created everything here in the heavens and on the earth. But not only did He create them, He created them through His Son. For Christ being the Word, He spoke the things into existence in which we enjoy today. But the things of Satan are definitely self-evident. We look back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis. Whenever God created everything, He said it was good. Then He created man. And through the years and God's foresight and foreknowledge, He knew man was going to be disobedient unto Him and they was going to need a Savior. They was going to need someone to go to to get back into Him. The reason why I say back, we are very well aware that a, that a child until the point of age of accountability, what that is saying is to understand what God would have them to do and do or do not do them. To understand what God would have you to do. Previous to that person's life and the point of their life, they're with God. A newborn baby in the womb, still with God. A toddler with God. Look back at Christ's uh, ministry. As we have been commanded, be imitators of God as dear children. We got, we got that example through Christ and His life. When He was in His ministry, there was little kids running around. I know we like in 
in worship service and want to make your child be quiet. It doesn't bother me none. I'm proud to see children run around in the, in the worship service. I wish we had tons of them. I wish I had to be on a microphone to get above them to be able to speak over them because that's the futures of the church. Because in Christ's ministry, he grabbed one of those little children that's running around at his feet and he said, unless you become like this little child, right? unless you become like this little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Like a child. The characteristics of a child. We see the characteristics of a child who's willing and wanting, asking questions to learn and to grow and to be that something that's molded by his surroundings. Become that child who is raised up in a Christian home. Become an imitator of God as dear children. So dear children of God are going to behave like how? They're going to behave like God. We made mention of this this morning in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Walk in the light as He is in the light. That is, be a Christian. Live out our lives as Christ lived. For we have our examples. For Christ... Walked in love, in verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also have loved us. How can we say that Christ loved us? He left us. No, 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 no. Hold on just a minute. Back that truck up. Don't think about the idea of Christ leaving us. He never left us as He told those who are going to be faithful unto Him, those who are doing the will of God, those who are going out into the world creating disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. And what does Christ say? And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. He says that. For He will never leave you. He will never condemn you unless we walk away from Him. Then He says, well, you've tied my hands. You've committed sin. And the wages of sin is death. For God offers life. We've got to give the sins of the world up. If we're imitating God as dear children, we're going to have nothing to do with sin. We're going to have nothing to do with the ways of the world. The iniquity, we want nothing to do with that. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's fun to sin. It's pleasing to sin. God has the blinders on people. And he, he wants to make you think it's, it's fun. It's where you need to be doing. That's, that's where you want to That's Satan talking. That's his works. What do we need to tell of Satan? Get yeah. Right? Let's tell Satan to give. We want nothing to do with you. Away from me. Things that Christ told Satan. But Christ give himself for us in verse 2. He give himself as that sweet smelling aroma for God. He done he, to God, excuse me, to God for us. I'm going to be specific on that. As he offered himself to God for us. According to the old law, we look back under the law of Moses, and a, a, a lamb had to be sacrificed. A sacrifice had to be given. We look all the way back into the early sacrifices that people were giving. Cain and Abel. Remember Abel's sacrifice? Best of the best. He plucked it from his flock. He offered that to God. That's how we're supposed to be. In our everyday walk of life, we're supposed to give God our best because God gave His best. He gave a portion of Himself for us. You might ask, well, why did He do that? Isn't, isn't, isn't a loving God just going to forgive us and, and on Judgment Day just give us a place with Him? Unfortunately, no. There are those who are going to find themselves on the 
the rebuking end of God's judgment. And that rebuking is going to last forever, unfortunately. But we see Christ offering Himself for us so our sins can be remitted. We see Christ in His early ministry teaching, teaching about the kingdom of God and, and repentance and remission of sin. And of course, one who paved the way and got folks prepared for Christ was talking about baptism. And that was John the Baptist. When Christ came along, he was able to remit sins with his blood. And those coming to the knowledge of his word was able to receive forgiveness of those sins. So that's how we're supposed to walk. In love. Now we're going to get a list of things we're not supposed to do. Things of the world. Things that's going to cast us into outer darkness if we participate in them. Because as we are imitators of God, or we should be, we're not going to have anything to do with darkness. A little bit later in this lesson, time constraining, I'm running out quick. We're going to see an idea of children of light. Children of light. You know what light does? You know what the purpose of light? It actually defeats darkness. It's happening this morning as the sunshine rose and is shining above us right now. Before the sun rose, what was here? Darkness. The night, right? The moon wasn't out. It was cloudy. It was, it's, you know, the, sun, the sun can't be seen, nor the moon can be seen. It's darkness. The Bible refers to darkness as wickedness, evil, things that's displeasing in the eyes of God. Us as children of light, with the walking of love, we're going to be sharing our love that Christ has given us. We're going to be teaching the world that there is a much better way and much better judgment seen before God than condemnation, as we made mention of this morning in Bible class. But in verse 3, fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as it is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, verse 5. We see all the things of the world. We see things that's not of God. We see the things of Satan and all of his workings and all of his enticings. We see those things in those few verses. But you notice what's said in verse 5. The kingdom of Christ and God. And is a conjunction. So we see the kingdom of Christ being one of them. So wait a minute. Aren't they the same? They're not. It's, it's something very plainly is said here. There's, there's two. The kingdom of Christ is which what we are in right now. Christ having the dominion, the power, the grace, and the glory. He has all right now. We have to go through Christ to get to God right now. But on judgment day, there's going to be a switch. There's going to be a change of hierarchy. Do you know what faith is? You know the definition of faith? The belief in things unseen with the evidence proved of? That is that you can prove what you believe is true. Okay. Do we believe that Christ came, lived, died, and sacrificed Himself on the cross and ascended into heaven? We can't. By God's only true word. And many other archaeological digs and many things trying to prove God wrong has proved Him right time and time again. 
All right, do we believe in Christ? Do we have faith in Christ? We had better. That's, that's how we get to Christ. That's how we get to God's through Christ. So when we trust and believe in Christ, we're going to do the things God would have us do that Christ showed. That's what believing in Christ means. That's what having faith is all about. There's going to be a come time, day, and hour that we're, going to, we're not going to have faith in Christ. You said, what did you just say, Jeremy? Faith is what? Believed in things unseen with the evidence of, that's proved of. So we think about not seeing Christ now. We can see Him by faith. <clears throat> On that great day, when Christ comes in His great glory and power with His angels, do you think you're going to see Him? Most assuredly. You might say, what, but faith in Christ is going to end? It certainly will. Because in heaven, guess who's going to be in rule? God the Father. When the Son hands the keys over to the kingdom to the Father, Christ is going to step back and His purpose is going to be fulfilled. He's not going to have a purpose. For we will be with God. He will be our God and He will be with us. As He encourages us in Revelation chapter 21. He's going to wipe away all tears. Forever. So isn't it important today to not have any partakings of the world? Because partaking of the world is going to continue. It's going to. Because does it not say in verse 5, for this you know that no fornicator, fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an adulterer has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. That's here and now. That's the here and now. And also in God. Two kingdoms. Let's make sure we're in Christ's kingdom today. Because as you are in Christ's kingdom, you're going to just transition. We have been made mention before that death is not an end. It's like a transition. You go from one to another. You go from this presence to the next future. The reason why I say that. How many of us can say that, well, I'm going to do that tomorrow. This, that, and I'm going to do that. I plan on doing that tomorrow. We we, we say it, right, Brother Mark? We say things like that, right? Well, Well, we'll get to that tomorrow. We do realize that it's always today. It's always today. But tomorrow, it's, it's going to come one day. But that, therefore, tomorrow is going to last forever. You might say, well, what did you just say, Jeremy? <laughs> tomorrow, Christ is coming. Are you ready? Because He is coming. So let's make sure we are in His kingdom today. For when He comes, we will go over right into God's kingdom. But there will be none of this that we're having to endure in Christ's kingdom. Pain, suffering, illness, death, despair, all those things have been passed away. They will be gone. And in verse 6, and I wish the world could hear these words, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons or children of disobedience. Listen to verse 6 very plainly. Listen to verse 6 very plainly. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Do you know what empty words are? Empty words are words that you're speaking that have no meaning. 
That's happening this morning. Folks are being deceived with empty words. But don't, don't the words have the same meaning that you're talking about? They're, they're not because you took them out of context. You remove the worth of the words when you remove them from context. You can read in your Bible, it says you can have faith only. Two words, right? Faith only. You can. What does the Bible teach about faith only? James chapter 2, cast that out immediately in verse 2, right? Not immediately, a little bit further down to the latter end of that chapter. It says faith without works is dead. So faith only is cast out in the absence of works. Let no one deceive you with empty words to make sure what you are being taught is the truth. Back it up with your own study. Read around the verse. Pay attention. Is deception happening this morning? Most assuredly. It is. When it's not the truth, the whole truth in its entirety, is it a deceptive form of the truth? Yes, it is. So when it's not the truth, what does it become? It becomes a lie. Empty words, right? Empty words. What does empty words profit us? Nothing. It profits us nothing. What does it make us gain? Deception. Loss. Despair. Death. Huh, that sounds like right the opposite of the kingdom of God, does it not? That sounds like the, a much worse place. We made mention of Revelation chapter 21. How about Revelation chapter 20, verse 10? Speaks of that lake of fire. Death and destruction. Speaks of a judgment scene as well. It also speaks of that lake of fire. Who's going to be in it? Let's make sure that we are not. Because if we're imitating God, we're not going to have nothing to do with that lake of fire. It would terrify us to know that you had an opportunity to not be in that lake of fire and didn't take it. And that's going to be on your mind for eternity. That'd, that'd be terrifying, would it not? So let's not let no one deceive us. It says, oh, God's just going to save you. All you got to do is trust in His Word. That's all you got to do. All you got to do is be a good person. Ignorance is not an excuse for the absence of salvation. Not knowing is not an excuse. Just look, stand before God. But I didn't know. <laughs> My Word's been there for how long? 2,000 plus years and you didn't open it up and find out what you're supposed to do? But I didn't know. That ain't going to fly. It ain't going to work. Let no one deceive you with empty words. I know a lot of folks who are deceiving themselves with empty words. Don't deceive yourselves. Because guess who was the orchestrator of deception? Satan. He initiated it. He brought it to the earth by saying one word. Not. If you're not familiar with what that encounter was, it was Adam and Eve. In the Garden of Eden. God told them the day they partake of this fruit, and that was the fruit of uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, Don't take of it. Don't, don't, don't have nothing to do with it. Don't eat it. On the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's what God told Adam and Eve. Everything else was fair game. It's only one thing they couldn't do. <laughs> that would be wonderful, would it not? For one instruction. 
to not do. What did they go and do? Folks, we have sin in the world, do we not? We do. Because Satan, the serpent, approached them and convinced them that that fruit was good to eat. And he said, on the day you eat of it, you shall surely not die, is what Satan said. That's deception. And they partook of it. And here we are to this day. Dealing with sin. Combating Satan on a daily basis. Deception is a wonderful tool that God despises. The reason why I say a wonderful tool, how many folks uh, adhere to it? How many folks do Satan trip up on it? The reason why I say a wonderful tool, it's effective in Satan's eyes. And he loves using it. So don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by a false interpretation of the Word. Don't be deceived by saying, I don't need the Word. I got this on my own. John 15, 5, Christ very plainly says, for without me you can do nothing. Let's make sure we are in his kingdom so we can be translated over into God's kingdom and live with him forever. And those who deceive you with empty words, because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons or children of disobedience. And in verse 7, therefore do not be partakers with them. You know what partakers with means? It means to encourage, to go along with, to say nothing against. Do not be partakers with them. To be deceived is, is, is scary. It's utterly terrifying to know that folks are being deceived by the masses. Not coming to the realization of what the truth actually teaches us. So walking in love, the first part, and I'm going to completely run out of time. All right, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest in the, by the light. For whatever makes manifest is... Light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So we see two examples here. One walking in love, and the other one walking in the light. As we make reference to God, God's children are actually children of light. Again, what's the purpose of light? To defeat darkness. Right? When you walk into your home at nighttime, do you turn a light on? Or you just stumble through the dark, hoping you don't fall over nothing? No, you turn on. You pay your light bill. You turn the light switch on, right? And light, hopefully, you ain't got to call an electrician. The lights come on. Why do you do that? So you can see where you're going, right? No. You do that to defeat the darkness. That's all you're doing. So how do we defeat wickedness? When we see the darkness, representation of wickedness in the world, how do we defeat the devil? How do we defeat the wickedness of the world? By preaching against it. Being the examples that Christ left us to be. Picking up that torch and continuing in that walk that Christ walked. Encouraging the lost to come unto him. That's how we defeat darkness. That's how we defeat darkness. For it's in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And in verse 10, teaches us that finding out what is acceptable 
to the Lord. Do we know what's acceptable to God? In our everyday walk of life, do we know what's acceptable to God? What's accepted, what's not accepted? Two words, right? Sin and righteousness. Two. One's acceptable, one's not acceptable. What's acceptable is righteousness. Doing right in the eyes of God. Sin is not accepted. He will have nothing to do with it. He hates it. And he wishes it not upon his children. But unfortunately, Satan's combating us. He's picking and prodding at us. He's trying to pull us away from God. And he's happy when he does it. But God welcomes us to come back when we do. Because keep in mind, we're sinners. We are. We're no better, we're no better than those who are lost. We're still struggling in everyday walks of life. What we do, what we do have is that they don't have this connection to God through His Son when we repent of our sins. And that is a commandment for a child of God. If we're going to imitate God as dear children, we're going to repent of our sins when we commit them because it's wrath to God. Do not let the sun set on your sins. Do not let the sun set on your wrath to God. Repent while it's still today. So at the close of this lesson, I've got more, but I'm going to run out of time. So in the close of this lesson, I want us to take something, take note of something. What it is to walk in love. What it is to walk in light. And the next and last one, which I ran out of time, to walk in wisdom, which is very important. As we continue on reading, take, take your Bibles home and continue on reading. All the way down to verse 21. What it is to walk in wisdom. To know what God would have you to do and do those things. So this morning, I want to encourage something. Have you yet to come to the knowledge of the, of the truth? Have you yet to be baptized for the remission of sins? We encourage that as you become aware of what God would have you to do. Ready to cast those sins off and get forgiveness for them by being immersed for the remission of sins. Have you taken that short walk with Satan? Have you been a child of God and repenting and coming back? Let's do that. Let's get forgiveness of those sins. Why walk out of here being someone who is lost? I'm not going to say sinners because we're sinners. We're justified sinners in the eyes of God when we have Christ's blood covering us. Do we need to be covered with a repentant heart? Do you need to be covered with baptism? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?